0: Hello and welcome to This Ripe Fruit. My name is Phoebus and this podcast series aims to look at what it means to be sexual by exploring the experiences and insights of people who either directly work in the sex industry or whose work is closely linked to sex. I'm a psychotherapist and currently carrying out a doctorate on the meaning of sexuality. And my aim in this series is to create an open and non-judgmental space where we can all listen and learn from people who deal with sex and the sexual professionally. My guest today is Caden Gray, who is an adult entertainer and sexual and mental health advocate. In this episode, we discuss the boundaries that he sets up between his work and private life, how he experiences pleasure in his work, and the phenomenon of only fans, and being in charge of producing his own porn. But first, I began by asking him when he started sex work, and what that
1: was like for him. It's coming to six years now. Uh, it depends what you would uh, class as the start. Because I started escorting before I started doing porn. Only for one person, but still. That was my first experience. Um. The second part is probably quite um, problematic. I haven't been able to find a straight answer to why I, I did it, and I feel like it, it kind of keeps unraveling over the years. But there's a few reasons. So I started um, six years ago, um, someone scouted me on the grinder, said, "Do you want to make some money?" I was broke. Uh, I was working um, in a sales store doing sales, and um, I did it, I hated it, um, so then we worked out a deal uh, where I would meet that person and someone else and he watched and we had sex, basically. And I think think that was basically the start of, of uh, me being an adult entertainer, although no, I knew nothing about it back then, I didn't know, um, it was just, you know, something that someone wanted me to do and I did it. Uh, without any kind of preparation or any knowledge about whether it was legal or not. Then I started looking into it. Um, And then I started doing porn in March 2013. So that's when I kind of started formally, officially. And funny enough, I didn't actually escort for a while. Then I was like, no. There was this shame around escorting that I had, uh, which I think is not very surprising. Uh, which made me distinguish between a porn actor and I think a lot of porn actors still do that um, Being a glorified sex worker and a decent one and a prostitute being a trashy one and I did did that dis- I made that distinction uh, For quite a while.
2: What do you think led you to make that distinction?
1: You know, and in, in most of the um, the world it's legal to make porn. It's not legal to to sell sex to be for hire Um, and I come from a country where that's the case as well here in the UK it's partially decriminalized but still um, there isn't really a place in the world where uh, except maybe New Zealand I think where it's actually decriminalized completely so there are many many messages throughout your life that tell you that prostitution is something to be ashamed of like for example calling someone a whore or a slut
2: and a whore or a slut as somehow a shameful
1: insult when you say something. I think inherently, isn't it? Um, I suppose we're reclaiming it now. I sometimes call myself a whore or a hooker or um, not a slut. a slut as well, just not in the context of sex work. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I tried to reclaim these words, but there was a need for that. That's why I'm doing that, yeah. because there was a, there's a lot of stigma attached to Sex to start with, uh, let alone sex work yeah. of any kind, including porn. But I guess with porn there's the, the element of um, the element of stardom uh, and the element of uh, exposure. So I guess you can claim a little more pride easier than when you uh, quote unquote just an escort.
2: Wow. And, and what's it like
1: doing porn or, or escorting? Mm. Um, No, you know, it has actually been one of the best decisions I've made and there there have been um, some uh, disadvantages, particularly social, uh, that come from it, but it has really liberated me. Liberated you? Liberated me sexually. Um, And I think the quest for that kind of is one of the reasons why I started doing it. The quest for um, being okay with my sexuality. Um, not just sexual orientation but sexuality altogether um, and I think an explicit action like that uh, was just a statement that I made so, so when you say being okay with your sexuality or being sexual
2: what, what can you say a bit more about that
1: I grew up in Poland and um, i I can't say um, unfortunately that I had a very uh, Many positive role models, especially when it comes to things like body or confidence or sexuality. So I actually grew up really fearful and ashamed of sex, and also very early in my life I started having um, sexual experiences I didn't understand. No one talked to me about sex, so then and then on top of that came really hard, and the fact that I was gay and I got really severely bullied for it. So. Um, Having those experiences behind me, I then, uh, when I grew up, moved to England, uh, I looked around and I was like, oh my goodness, what the hell? What, what? Like, How could it be that it is okay for me to be gay? It's okay for me to be sexual, to have multiple sexual partners, to do whatever I want with my body, but no one ever told me that. I suppose the very notion of me deciding to be so openly sexually explicit was me saying, this is me, and I'm a sexual being, and I'm gay, and I'm not ashamed of it. So I think that the very fact that I did it, after six months of soul-searching and wondering what my mom is going to think when she finds out, uh, I think the fact that I, I, I realized that people who know me already may know about it, may see it, bothered me at the beginning. Really bothered me. And then uh, I had to get used to that being my life. And so it just never could be a secret. My sexuality, my body, or my sexual orientation could never be a secret anymore. And I think that was a very liberating part because there are times when my best friend who, um, she, early on, she saw every single trailer. I, I think it, until I've done like 50 scenes and stopped showing them to my friends. They've all seen them because I wanted to for them to know, I wanted to share, I wanted them to know what, how it felt now, I kind of feel it's a little cringy. So, so
2: what is that like, that your best friends or people <coughs> that know you very well also can see something very private about you, your mm-hmm. sex life?
1: Well, um, it's actually, with those people, it's not uh, It's not so easy. Funny enough, because they know me well, privately, so well. Like, some of, some of my friends know pretty much everything about me. And then there's obviously the rest of the world who doesn't, who don't know me, and it was, it's a lot easier to expose yourself to strangers, <laughs> which I think it l- explains a lot about our uh, culture when it comes to sex and the grinder culture and so on, the anonymity about it. Um, and when it comes to your friends, it's just, you know, they know everything about you. It's kind of like, it can be quite awkward, but then it also depends on, on you, and on them. It depends on whether you want, maybe even if you're not aware of it, whether you want to push those boundaries and you want to become more comfortable. Um, but even before that, you know, um, my friends saw me naked, some of them, and uh, it's fully platonic. And yeah, sometimes it's a little bit, I get a little bit shy and cover myself, like in front of my housemates, even though all three of us are gay. We know about each other's sex lives. And they know what I do for work and so on. Um, I still cover my uh, bits.
2: Yeah. But but w- with this kind of uh, example of you being in your flat and you your flatmates being around, you would co- right. if you're naked, you would cover your bits, as My you put it. Right. <laughs> My um, given. <Genital>. <laughs> <laughs> but given that, I mean, you expose your bits on screen to thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. It's hilarious. What 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 do
1: you think that's about? That kind oh. of, I really do think it's about it's an acquired shame that came from different things um that our civilization has been through. And I think somewhere along the way, we decided that sex is private, which I think you cannot say that it is. it is it can be private, but it doesn't have to be, right. Sexuality doesn't have to be private. but by default, kind of th- that notion is there, and I think we've decided that it's not only definitely private, but it also is unacceptable to share it, I think, in many, many, many cultures, especially when it comes to women, but when it comes to anyone really, and especially when you differ from uh, in any way sexually from the majority, um, then you very early on in your life, that kind of thought is planted in your head that you need to shy away from being sexual. So I think that may be why I still, and maybe until I die, I will be doing that. Hopefully not, but then again, I don't think that's wrong. It's what I learned, and I, there's only so much that, so much liberation that can happen without you, um, but just ripping out the roots.
2: Um, but but maybe this touches on a question which we'll get to later on, right? which is what it means to be sexual. Mm. Um, but in particular, this notion of is your naked body in front of your friends, sexual? Or is it just a naked body? It isn't.
1: I can decide that the act of me being exposed uh, uh, physically uh, in front of people doesn't have to be sexual. But I think it's accept- it is accepted that when someone sees you naked, uh, it is, that's on the table. and very likely might be. And I have two gay housemates. Not to say that they are attracted to me, but it's not also to say that I've ever confirmed that with them. So um, that's always in the back of my head, and when you have three gay guys living together, it is very likely they will have had sex after a while, and we haven't, and that's probably because of those boundaries. But then they're not the only people that I would, uh, I would kind of cover myself from. Um, I have a friend who sees me naked quite a bit, and I never shy away from him. A, like there's a difference there and we also have had sex but we don't anymore um, so that's quite interesting and also it depends on where it is because if it's a locker room I make a statement out of being naked <laughs> and moisturizing for like 15 minutes naked
2: <laughs> yeah but I, th- I think there's something quite fascinating here especially with somebody who works who does the work that you do absolutely to <laughs> see w- that there still are. Moments and situations and people that you do feel it is inappropriate to be fully naked in front of
1: Yeah, and I you know actually I'm glad you brought that up because I think um, Many people believe that To do porn or sex work. You must be a master of Sexuality you must say you have have your sexuality worked out. You must be very comfortable around sex You must be good at sex None of those things are true. Like from my experience People do sex work for many different reasons. They do it for money. They do it for self-validation. They don't do it because they went to sex school. I don't really think that something like this exists, really. Maybe I should open one. Um, <laughs> but, and also, it doesn't, they're, they're not necessarily good at sex. Like, um, sex workers um, in any form, any form of sex workers, the same, they have the same kind of sexuality issues and qualms that as anybody else.
2: When you say good at sex, what does that mean? Well, you? you know,
1: like, there's even a, a there's even a phrase, fuck like a porn star, which I very happily challenge online because people think that when you fuck like a porn star, you, uh, first of all, you don't have to douche. You can just uh, come up to anyone and they're going to be already lubed up. Uh, and also, you're definitely going to get hard and stay hard. And there's no need for consent. So, so many different things. And you're going to, know how to suck dick, know how to deep throat, if you're a girl, tit wearing All of those things you're gonna know exactly what someone wants be, without asking them. You're just gonna intuitively know. And all of that is a big lie. You may think that you you build your own character. You don't, you, build, you take an active part in it, active or passive sometimes actually. But it's a, it's a huge industry and it's a, it's a very competitive industry a lot of it is done for you. So like example, I was marketed, my dick was marketed as nine and a half inches. I have never, ever had a nine and a half inch dick. I think it's probably about eight, which now that that's been done, I feel like it's not enough, <laughs> right? And it keeps growing as well. Like in the last six months, I saw it being 10 inch. Online so like people people might take those liberties with your sexuality even though they don't actually have the right to do that over the five years that I spent doing porn I have learned that people see me completely differently than in some some situations than I am like first of all it's monodimensional and secondly people have dif- these different ideas and it's because i I allowed to be kind of sold off like that really that to be to partake in a fantasy that creeps into the reality for models, but only for models, really. No one else in the porn industry experiences that, except for the models. And some people are happy with that. Some people are happy with having nudes sent to them or being grabbed, groped in a club. And and but then there are many that are not, and they struggle with it. So, I actually, feel really quite um, strongly about this. And it's a t- like I mean, it's a pretty problematic thing to say, but I do think that porn for, you know, despite all the, I think, good things that, uh, good elements of porn, it's not, it's not just good or bad, and there are things that need to be challenged. And Fuck Like a Porn Star, that particularly, that, uh, it really needs a knock on the head. Can we talk a little bit about uh, how you experience pleasure? In the
2: different aspects of your work. So, how you might experience pleasure while doing porn, how you might experience pleasure while escorting, and how you might experience pleasure in your personal sexual life.
1: There's a difference for sure. I'm actually quite private when it comes to sexuality, uh, when it comes to sexual pleasure, uh, which may sound like a complete ludicrous thing to say because I. I make money on my sexuality, but I think I've made that distinction uh, some time ago, and when um, when I'm on set or particularly with a client um, not so much these days, but at the beginning, I felt like I'm almost not allowed to feel pleasure because I'm getting getting paid for it. In porn, it's different because you you kind of you're supposed to have a good time in escorting you didn't feel you were supposed to have a good time um I felt like maybe I shouldn't be paid if I'm getting pleasure from it as well. It's something that I think it may be quite hard to get your head around, even for an escort. And it's particularly important for an escort to get their head around it because if you don't, you might find yourself selling yourself short or hiring, getting hired short, Um, selling yourself short because you derive pleasure from what you do. Uh, Like if you get a hot client, for example, You're gonna be thinking, oh, he shouldn't pay me. He absolutely should. You have a you have a deal. There's a transaction. I reserve the right not to kiss or suck. Almost never rim. I feel like that's a lot more intimate, personal. To be fair, I could fuck just about anyone, but when it comes to kissing, uh, hygiene, and just general kind of um, aesthetics, uh, that's important. It, like if I'm if I'm to be there and do my job, I need to feel somewhat comfortable um and there are there are people out there that you're less likely to kiss um uh, or want to kiss than others and so like one of my rules is to make sure that people know that it is a consensual thing and uh, which seems very shocking to some because they think the moment you make that transaction you sell off your right to your body which is absurd and i think we're at the very beginning of kind of really challenging that um, and needs a lot more work. The transaction is quite complex because people think that you meet an escort, they'll do whatever you want. When I meet people, when I meet clients, I don't necessarily come. That's a distinction that um, many escorts, it's something that many escorts do, they don't come. Because that means, for many of us, it would mean the end of the day. Uh, And if you have a target to hit on the day, to, to make sure that, you know, you take care of your financial well-being, then you can't be doing that. But I think many askers don't actually tell clients that. And I like to make make it clear when I feel like it's important to someone. I think there is an element of separation between me in private and me in at work. Like, I wouldn't necessarily fart in front of a client unless he's a regular (laughs) and we have a report like like we know each other more in a friendly way but again here even when we're friendly i don't make the crossover but to to personal life with clients i do tell them about myself i share things with them that i think most escorts would say you don't do that i do that because i i want to give them a real experience and i think that's what people can count on when they meet me only penetration but they're actually going to meet me and i'm gonna come with the the way i kind of am including issues i have with my mental health and anxiety and stuff like i talk about these things because if i didn't i wouldn't be able to do this work anymore because it's actually quite emotionally emotionally taxing so yeah i think people get a real taste of what i'm like as a person not necessarily though what i am like in a personal relationship because that's different like I don't know what the line is, but there is a fine line somewhere.
2: Because here, you, it, seems, it sounds like you're talking about something about openness, that right. they can expect openness from you.
1: Yeah, a level, a high level of openness, which I don't think is so... I don't think it's uh, a common practice in sex work. There's usually a, a very thick wall, f- understandably. But with me, um, I mean, th- there is a line, there is a, there is a wall. But you can kind of see through it. Quite a bit. Do you often feel
2: that although you're having sex in a lot of your work, mm-hmm. you are being sexual
1: during that? I do think that there's a sexual element to all my sex work because my body and an erect, most of the time, penis is involved in that. But when it comes to my mind, that's not always the case. And I've shot some scenes which may be hard to believe, even once you've seen them, where I was hard and performing, and it was okay, but I w- wished for it to be over. Um, and that's kind of, I think that's, that's evident of me not being sexually, mind, like mind, uh, in my mind, involved in it, or wanting to be.
0: We next turn to the growing phenomenon of OnlyFans and how it is changing dynamics in the porn world. OnlyFans and similar sites such as Just For Fans are membership platforms where porn stars can sell monthly subscriptions to their fans in return for regular uploaded home filmed video content. Given that porn stars are often in full control of what gets uploaded onto their sites, I was curious to find out to what extent he used his private sexual encounters as content for his site.
1: To be fair, I'm pretty sure that I've never posted a private encounter to date, like private, private, because that's mine. And I mean, there's an element of privacy to my OnlyFans and my, my recent and kind of autonomous work. Um, because there's a lot more organic and real. It's, there's a lot more me in it rather than someone telling me what position to do and me uh, kind of having to comply with with it. Um, but when it comes to private sex, I think it's very important for people to have privacy. And that line gets blurred enough, which I I was talking about a push social pushback, right? Social disadvantage from doing sex work. The, the line... Between what's private and what isn't, people really push against that line, and it's quite. It can be quite dangerous if you have if you struggle with setting boundaries and your own consent, which I have. I think my entire life. It's better now when I've learned to communicate with people more, um, more kind of without breaking the bonds, without uh, erupting. But um, it's very. I think it's very important that privacy stays private. When you do sex work, you don't necessarily get to follow how you feel because if your body is your money maker, you don't necessarily get to wake up in the morning and decide, I'm going to jerk off, right? Or I'm going to uh, meet someone. You are re- It's. that's re- if you're serious about making money in sex work, you, it, is, it defines your sex life, whether you like it or not, which is why often when people say i want to pour, i'm like why or like like seriously why like tell me why do you think it's for you and i give them i lay it lay it out for them cuz it does it, there's a risk of it ruining sex for you because spontaneity a lot of the time goes out the window like i want to hook up but i can't cuz i have a client at 9 p.m. and that's that's serious cuz if i don't do that i'm not going to make that money so i don't think it's the, necessarily my mood and uh, that defines what I do, it's a, I, I make a lot of calculations, and, and I didn't used to even know that I was doing that. But you have to do that; it's common sense. And I know very, I know instantly um, there are quite, quite, quite few factors that come into whether it's going to be private or not. If it's someone I like a lot and I would consider, I'm going to dare say, building anything with, I'm not going to make it public because I think it would. It could potentially derange your relationship and ruin your chances very early on. Another thing is, not everyone wants to do sex work. There is an, there's obviously uh, people who are comfortable with it, there's lots of people who aren't comfortable with it. So when I'm hooking up with someone, I don't assume, I don't think I've ever asked someone to their face, June, can we film something? Never. That's been done to me even when we're hooked up privately, because people assumed I was okay with it, Mm because I do porn. But I've never actually done it. I always make sure that that's clear before we meet. And I have asked a couple of people recently who I would privately meet, and I have privately met, whether or not they would like to do something for OnlyFans, I would pay them. Uh, And it was not met with... uh, It was not welcome, uh, or even okay, I felt. It was quite a bitter experience and I know a lot, of, uh, a lot of people do that but I guess I'm just not I haven't cracked the code to that yeah. and I think at the core of that is the fact that I subconsciously select who and what is my work and what is my private life both porn and escorting uh, have taught me that we're a bunch of vulnerable beings trying to uh, to win at life I may have done porn for the last five years, but I have also had a life outside of it, and it's, it's been rich in different experiences. But porn and escorting, sex work, it's given me, a, it, like, it takes you really close to people. Sometimes you don't even want to do it, but you bam, you put so close to another human being, and you get a glimpse of their intimate life. Like you almost, see, you can see their soul if such a thing exists. I mean, why you become a receptacle for their pain? So I think, and, and this may sound a little bit dark, but uh, it has actually, I've experienced a lot of pain through sex work.
2: Cool.
1: And that's both in porn and in escorting. Like, with escorting, it's more one-to-one. But in porn, you enter this whole I don't know if community, but definitely a structure, a system. Uh, and it's full of. It's like a mini society, full of hierarchy and um, competition. And it can be quite traumatic, uh, I guess, like entering anything that's competitive. And it can be quite overwhelming to be part of that. And it's very, very easy to make errors of judgment, like thinking, oh, this guy is stuck up, this guy is arrogant, this person yeah. is. Uh, he thinks he's better than me. I think nine times out of ten, the person isn't actually arrogant, they're insecure. And they don't think they're better of you, they have an an inferiority complex. And lots of issues that they deal with through miscommunicating who they really are to other people. Um, and I think all of, through all of that speaks a lot of vulnerability. Um, sex workers taught me to that you really don't know what people are going through until you do, and the I know this is this may seem utopian and uh, cliche, but being kind to people first and foremost, regardless of what situation you're in, and trying to defuse arguments rather than escalate them, I think that's crucial to to connection with other people. And it's funny to say that sex work caused me to do that, but I don't think I've ever been, I've never been forced. With other people, to intimately interact with other people as I have been with and through sex work. Normally, I pick and I play it by ear, and if someone makes me uncomfortable, obviously that's potential for um, saying goodbye in different, many different aspects of my life. But here, it doesn't matter whether you get on with this person. It's a transaction, like I said. So you get thrown in with people and you gotta work it out, you gotta work through it. And that can make you really uncomfortable, really challenge what you know, what you think you know about people. I feel like we're continuously being told what sex is, um, and that, like, our parents will do that, Um, the media will do that, the law will do that, Um, porn will do that. We are surrounded by messages telling us what kind of sex is acceptable, how we should be enjoying sex, what kind of... um, what looks good, what, what the body should look like, and whether the pubes should be trimmed or not, and you know, so many different messages. Forget what other people tell you that sex should be. I think bringing it back to what you are, like at the core of your, exi- of your being, what you find attractive, could potentially be an answer to a happy sexual life. I next asked Caden to tell me a little
0: bit about his work with Impulse, which is an international group of volunteers dedicated to promoting healthier sexual lifestyles among gay men, and what this work means to him.
1: Impulse has been a very building part of my life. Um, It's a lot of work, because I mean the the work is cut out for you if you do sexual mental health activism for a minority, Um, but it's it's helped me heal um and come to terms with hiv for example me being hiv positive uh which i was really not okay with and or open about and after i joined impulse i actually came out within probably about six months publicly even though they are quite um they do the serious work they fund impulse which was born about nine ten years ago and we uh we do uh, things a little bit more uh, a little differently because we do them through entertainment, um, and we're all about um, meeting people halfway, uh, or even not even that, going where people are, mm-hmm. and trying to provide support as to them, just as they are. Instead of telling you need to wear a condom, we tell them here are the options, and here's some information, and here's a really sick drag queen from RuPaul's Drag Race. Come see her mm-hmm. and like let's talk and we organize all kinds of events through big parties uh, to small, more intimate events. In my last question to Caden, I asked him how he felt the interview had gone
0: and to what extent he felt that dynamics he was already familiar with in his work, such as exhibitionism and voyeurism, arose in this interview as well.
1: There's, uh, there are elements of exhibitionism of course, this is bit, it, there's exhibitionism all over this because it's asking, it's asking a lot more than a tradition, like this almost feels more intimate than sex work, more naughty because it's also a commentary on the sex work I've done. And but you're using the word naughty. Naughty, right. What, I'm using it what, facetiously. Okay, uh, but is that in relation <coughs> to what What element is naughty about? Like, for example, how naughty is it for a porn star to say that they don't like having nudes sent to them or they have an issue around consent or talk about mental health or talk about the fact that that there are disadvantages from doing porn. Like all these things, they have been brewing in me for for so long and... I talk about some of them on social media, but I feel like, for example, talking about porn, uh, a lot of people could get potentially offended by me having an opinion based on real life experiences that I've collected over the last five years and some dramas that I've experienced, you know, like for example, handling HIV or having, you know, models best interest at heart and stuff like you're dealing with vulnerable adults. So I feel like it can be really, potentially naughty, dangerous even, to, to talk about these things. But I think it's necessary. And I also don't, like, I, whenever I talk about porn, I kind of feel like, oh. less and less. Like, I, now I want to actually talk. I just want to talk about it without worrying, oh, I'm going to offend somebody, right? Although maybe not that. I want to talk about it and actually say how I feel about things rather than worry, oh, people are not going to hire me. At this point, I don't necessarily. Um, it's not a priority for me to be hired, um, and I also don't want to. I don't want to hurt anyone. I want to. I, th- I just feel like some things aren't working when it comes to sex work. When it comes to porn, and I would like to. F- I would like them to be first of all acknowledged, and secondly addressed, fixed, so that people don't suffer, so that actually, <laughs> porn can be a, a completely positive experience for everybody. And I think then that will cause a lot fewer issues with governments and so on. And with that, we've reached
0: the end of today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to contact Caden, you can reach him on Twitter and Instagram at XXX. And if you have any questions or comments, you can email me directly on thisripefruit at gmail.com. And you can follow this podcast on Twitter at this ripe fruit.